Hey, it's Adrian. Just before we get you to this episode, do me a favor and head over to pageantlaunch.com. We are starting the world's first dedicated pageant review site to make the pageant industry safe, transparent, and fair. Three things that I know it is most of the time, but it's not like that all of the time. So head over to pageantlaunch.com, enter your email address, it's completely free, and let's get you to this episode. Hey everyone, it's Adrian from The Pageant Project, and I have a special guest today, tonight, sorry, it's Friday <laughs> night for you, it's early Saturday morning for me, Nadia. Nadia Sayers, who is just announced, um, as of like 24, 48 hours ago, Miss Universe Ulster, which, so she is a Miss Universe Island 2020 finalist. Nadia, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me and for asking me to come on. Absolutely. Um, now, just so everyone knows, I actually asked Nadia to be on um, before I knew she was even entered in <laughs> Miss Universe Island. So it was interesting. Um, we had about three days to go before the interview, and then <laughs> she was announced as a finalist, along with, obviously, my good friend Chloe Davies. So, Nadia, um, why don't we start with how the last sort of 24, 48, or however long it's been since you announced yourself as a finalist, how has it been? Oh, my goodness, it's been crazy. Um, I didn't tell anybody that I had entered, not even my mum. My mum found out on Facebook. <laughs> That's always good. So I got a, a phone call then. <laughs> but um, No, I think everyone was just shocked because I, I kind of spoke about taking a step back from pageants. And um, like I said, it was something that I had thought about for a while, decided and just kept to myself to see if I would make it into the top 12. Um, so since then, people have been lovely. I've been getting messages. I've been getting comments. Um, I was talking to Chloe all day today. So it's very exciting. <laughs> you mentioned that you took a step away, and by no means you're, you're the only person who's told me that. I mean, it's almost the norm for a lot of pageant uh, competitors to take a bit of a break and then sometimes come back. And normally when they mm -hmm. come back, actually, as I say, the comeback is better than the setback or stronger than the setback. Mm -hmm. um, why did you decide to maybe take a step back and then on the flip, why did you decide to actually come back? I think for me, um, part of it was I've, I've done pageants for years now and I've honestly, I've loved every single experience. And like I say, I met Chloe in one of my very first pageants and I picked up a lot of very good friends along the way and that's something that I really really appreciate from my time in pageants, the people that you get to meet. But I think it was, Miss Universe was always one that I wanted to try. It was always like up there that I, I it yeah. was my goal to try and give it a go. Um, and I gave it a go last year and I really enjoyed it. But then obviously I kind of was like, you know what, maybe that's me done now. Maybe that's me settled. Um, and I am, I'm getting for the pageant world, I'm for a miss and getting older as well. A lot of systems I couldn't compete in now either. And so I thought I'd taken a step back and then it started to be advertised and I started thinking, well, maybe, maybe I could just one more time. <laughs> it's like, it's that pageant bug. Um, and especially because it is Miss Universe and it is a goal. It's always been a big goal of mine 
for years to kind of compete there and I I learned so much last year and I developed personally so much last year so fingers crossed you can go the same this year. Can you just give us a brief overview as to the as to your pageant history as it says right below me very helpfully so I remember what I'm talking about because um, mm-hmm. obviously I originally I don't know if you saw but I changed the creative like the promo stuff for this interview from Miss Intercontinental Island 2017. So obviously you've already won a national title and represented yeah. Ireland. So um, what? how did you get into pageantry in the first place and what steps have there been up, up till now? Um, I got into pageants kind of out of stubbornness. Um, I, <laughs> yeah, it's always a really that random one. <laughs> well, you'll remember it. Um, No, I I started modelling when I was 16 and here in Northern Ireland it was quite a small community um, across the country that modelling and pageants weren't really a big thing here. There was was never a massive community within on the island of Ireland at all. Um, So I started modelling, went to university and in university it was one person made a remark one day um, because a pageant girl came up on our social media and the person said, turned around and said, imagine you up on stage in a big dress like that. I was like, okay, okay then. So I entered um, Miss Earth about two months later. I'd never seen a pageant, um, never followed one, didn't know anyone that was in pageants, but I gave it a go um, and I really loved it. I really enjoyed it. So I competed in Miss Earth um, I think it was three times. The first time was the oh, one wow. that I'd never seen a pageant or knew, knew what it yeah. was. Um, so I went back twice. Um, I placed the first time I got a modeling award and then I placed third mm-hmm. um, the next year. Um, and I kind of decided, look, I, I've done my best there sort of thing. I can't see, I couldn't see how I could have improved in that. So I'm happy to leave it like that. And then yeah. there had never been a Miss Intercontinental here. And the year that it started, um, I had seen it pop up and I decided, well, you know what, maybe maybe I could do this because in this pageant, I could choose my own platform, that I something that I really cared about. Um, and I competed and had a great time and I won. Um, and it was a phenomenal experience. <laughs> Um, so I took I took a year out, maybe two years after that, um, yeah. yep, two, nearly two years. And then whenever I'd been watching Brittany, who'd taken over Miss Universe, um, so it's her fourth year now, so I'd been watching how that competition had kind of grown and what they invested in their winner and um, how much it supported all of the contestants and decided, sure, I'm not going to lose anything applying. But I, to be honest, I never thought I would get in. Um, last year, because <laughs> I always I was like, oh my goodness, all these girls, and I'm just gonna I'll give it a go, I'll throw an application. And um, so I think I was most shocked whenever I got into the finals last year. Then it brought us this year. <laughs> that's that's quite a history. Um, what do you know? What it was? I mean, you said you got into it in the first place because of stubbornness, mm-hmm. um, which I've again, not. <laughs> I'm not. I guess maybe I've heard that sort of a like almost entering just to prove someone wrong. I can understand that. But um, in terms of catching that pageant bug, what aspect sort of trapped you 
or, or got you hooked? What aspect of pageantry? I think the, the main thing that kind of sucked me in and kept me going back was the community. And yeah, like I always thought there are, there is no pageant community here, but there is, it's just, mm. it's quite small compared to other countries. And, um, but it's a community full of really passionate, good people. I find, and um, very supportive people. Mm. And I learn a lot off from them and I hope they learn from me too. And um, whenever we talk about our different platforms. So I just really enjoyed the process of getting to know all these girls and they do as cliche as it sounds, they become like your sisters. Yeah. Yeah, so, absolutely. I mean, out of the, um, out, out of the 12, so the 12 finalists for Miss Universe Island, I mean, obviously, you know, Chloe Davies, do you happen to know any of the other girls as well? So I'd be good friends with Chloe and um, have been for a few years. I would know of um, Catherine Walker. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, I don't know any of the other girls. Okay. Um, it, yeah. It might. I, I've been watching a couple of the intro videos over on the Universe Island Instagram, and it seems like at least a couple of them probably are complete newbies to pageantry, which is great. Mm-hmm. Not saying anything against that. Yeah. So it would certainly, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if you didn't know them. Um, mm-hmm. Nadia, let me just bring you up to date with the comments. And those of you watching this, I can see a bunch of you tuned in. If you have any questions, um, what was I going to say? If, I, if you have any questions, put them in the comments and I'll pass them on to Nadia. <laughs> for those of you who don't know, it's like six in the morning for me here. So my brain is not quite working yet. Um, now, Michelle Clovis Beliveau has asked, where does the pageant that's probably bug come from, which I've just asked. I, I, I don't know budget cone. I think it's budget? bug. I think that might be an order correct thing. Oh, okay. So, um, <laughs> Well, yeah, we, we've done that one. Julie here said, I love it when you have these interviews. We can see how naturally beautiful and sweet they are. I am glad I saw your live right now, stubbornness. You are so adorable. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> I mean, I, I, on that note, I will say the Universe Island, when they announced you, they mentioned your red hair and the fact that actually red hair is basically becoming extinct. So yeah. have you, I mean, there's a lot of, it's like, it's like talking about lawyers. There's lots of lawyer jokes. And when it comes to redheads, there's a lot of redhead jokes as well. Um, have, have you found the redhead, not just with pageantry, but just in general growing up, have you found it to be a source of like strength for you? And it's great because you're somewhat unique. Or have you been bullied for it on the other spectrum? Or have you sort of had both with the red hair? Oh, I think for me, it was something I really had to grow into. And definitely when I was younger, when you're in school and... Um, kids make jokes because it's something that's different. I think I was, there was only two redheads in my whole year group out of maybe 60, 70 children. Um, but one, I developed a thick skin. <laughs> so I kind of just laugh it off. It didn't, never really bothered me. I could just kind of laugh it off. I never disliked my red hair. I've always loved it. And I did hair modeling for a short while. Uh, when I was a lot younger and they dyed my hair and I missed my real hair color so so much so um I honestly just let it grow out I I wasn't even going to keep dying it red I just let it all grow out it looked awful for about a year but we got there and uh I really do I think the past maybe 10 years I've appreciated it a lot more and how much it kind of it has given me strength and it has kind of yeah helped build my confidence with standing out a bit more yeah. 
what color did they dye it just out of interest oh my goodness so it was um quite short and at one stage it was red yellow and orange and then it was white yellow. purple and orange and or oh yeah all at once <laughs> okay geez. yeah like stripes. i think your redhead <laughs> suits you really well I, I, I don't know about red yellows and oranges and, and white Ooh. what were they know, doing yeah. to you were yeah. they turning into an alien or something? What, it, was, it was like, to them, I suppose, it's like art. Um, so I was just, because I was very kind of easygoing about it, I was just the model that would let them work away. So I retired yeah, after you, about a year. You've, you've got to live with it for, you know, for, for however long. So it wasn't temporary dye, it was actually permanent no. dye. Yeah, it was bleach and everything. So I had to Jeez. had to go and talk to my school before it happened and explain it was an extracurricular and it would benefit me in the long term. But they were not happy still. <laughs> how did you, how did your how did your parents react to it? Um so my dad kind of just overlooked it. I don't think he had the words. And my mum hard to overlook short <laughs> multicolored hair but okay and your mom oh so every time i would have come back from the salon myself and walked into the house and it was always like late at night because it took like 10 to 12 hours to get from my natural hair color to what they were wanting Jeez. to do yeah, and uh i'd walk in and mom would look around and she'd be like oh my goodness <laughs> okay so how long is this for and i'd be like well they can't fix it for like two weeks otherwise my hair will fall out and she's like okay <laughs> That's exactly the reaction good. that every girl wants when they've just had their hair done for someone to turn around and go, okay. Yep, <laughs> yep. But it's okay. They never uh, they never give me a hard time or anything about it, so I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fair enough. Well, look, I mean, I think it suits you amazingly. So Thank I, you. I, kinda, I can't really imagine you being any other hair colour. Yeah. <laughs> no. no uh, now, Christine Kohler, who's over in the United States, has said that she's shocked there are only twelve. Um, that's that's in part because of COVID. Uh, Nadia, how many were there last year? So last year, there's always the initial application process. So you submit your application, yeah. and then there might be some casting videos or photos or things like that. But normally, the finalists there was thirty every other year. Yeah. So they took forward the final thirty, and then they would have on the final night took it down to the top 10 top five or top three and then the winner and um, but i think this year because of coronavirus and they mm. had to limit the numbers of how many they actually took forward to the final and um, just because there was no way no matter what the restrictions would be that they could yeah. have done anything really with 30 girls it's too many yeah that that's fair enough. I think that's a sensible choice. I mean, mm -hmm. you can imagine. I, I don't know how many Christine. Maybe you can tell me, but how many entrants in you in the United States it would be for Universe? I mean, it's probably hundreds, if not thousands. So, um, Ireland, the pageant community, I will imagine, is a bit smaller than in the United mm -hmm. States. Um, although every country it's probably small compared to the United States. Uh, Michelle also in the comments has asked, "What what for you is the most important part of a pageant?" So, well, with regards to the most, what I find most important and aspect-wise would be the platforms. I really like learning about everyone else's platform and what they actually care about and what they're passionate about and why they're passionate about it. And again, it's one of the reasons why I really enjoy taking part in pageants. I think it gives you 
that space and amplifies amplifies your voice to speak more about the things that need spoken about and the topics that need brought up. Hmm. So I think that should be the core of any pageant, really. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I agree with that. Otherwise, it sort of becomes a modelling competition. Nothing exactly. Nothing against modelling competitions, but I just think no. that there is a difference. There should be a difference. Yeah, they're different things. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, now, on, to- on the topic of advocacy, am I right in saying that your advocacy is mental health? Yeah. Okay, and, and this is what I wanted to delve into a bit because mental health is always a pertinent topic, but especially during corona and covid and especially in Ireland and the UK, mm-hmm. where you guys are basically in a second lockdown and going into yeah. a lovely UK winter or Irish winter. Yes. Um, I, 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 for <laughs> one, am very worried. I don't know if you are. Um, I'm sure you are. But I'm very concerned about mental health over there because I've seen some of the statistics about suicides and, and things like that because of corona. So can you, I guess, tell us just to begin with what got you interested in mental health in the first place? So I think when I first came across the mental health side of things was in school and I started studying psychology in school and then decided that that's what I was going for, going to do further study on in university. And so I got my bachelor's in psychology. But while I was in university, I began to really, really struggle with my own mental health. And I think it was something that I always overlooked until I'd experienced it more myself, which quite often we do because you're... Yeah. You're aware of it, but you're ignorant to the full effect sometimes unless you know someone close to you or you've experienced it. And going through that and seeing how long it took me to actually realize that I needed to talk to somebody or I needed to access the help and the support and and then actually trying to find someone to speak to. And that whole then journey back up the hill sort of thing towards me feeling myself again. Experiencing that, I felt, okay, well, I want this experience to count for something else I don't want it to be lost time I want it to be worth something I want to pull a silver lining from it so I started advocating then for mental health and and for suicide prevention and started volunteering for suicide prevention charities so a lot of my work now is within mental health charities Um, and then last year I graduated with my master's in psychological therapies and psychology and so it's kind of I want it to be my future career, but I've also been there and I've had family members yeah. and friends who have been there and I've worked with people now firsthand who have been in the midst of really struggling, but I've got to see them come from that space to feeling themselves in a better version of themselves because they've been able to access the right kind of help. Um, and I just think that everyone deserves it. Everyone deserves to be able to do that. And everyone needs to know that it's okay to ask for the backup to do that. So that's, that's kind of where my passion comes from. Yeah. Um, I mean, you mentioned earlier when we were talking about your red hair that you, you had or have um, r- relatively thick skin, which yeah. obviously is a huge, a huge thing that we all need in today's, um, in the modern age. Um, what do you know what exactly triggered sort of the decline in your mental health to begin with did you not have the thick skin at the beginning I mean ever I've I've definitely suffered from mental health you can probably see the banner behind me that's a book I released about mental health and I detailed the fact that I've been depressed and actually suicidal twice so I can certainly um, 
I can certainly empathize with you when you say that you wanted to turn something that was maybe horrible into something good, like it wasn't wasted mm -hmm. time, as you said. Do you know what sort of triggered your decline? So I think for me, it wasn't one big thing. And mm. I think that's, that's sometimes the difficulty with people coming forward. They think it has to be one big life-changing disaster yeah. that makes you deserve help. But for me, it was lots of little things that had trickled down over a period of time. So things like my own self-confidence, the relationships that I was in, people that I'd been around, um, lots of things that you kind of go through. But I just kept throwing to the back of my mind and saying, oh, well, that's fine. I can cope with that. That's no big deal. But eventually, all those things that you throw to the back of your mind are going to come forward. Mm. So all of mine came forward at a time where I was in my final year of university um, me and my ex-partner just broken up and it had all just kind of came down at once. I wasn't really looking yeah. after myself. I was working long hours as a student. I wasn't eating enough. I wasn't like exercising. I wasn't trying to kind of do that self-care either. So I think that's kind of everything just built up for me and I fell apart all at once. So then it was a case of learning why all of that happened, learning that if something pops up now, I need to talk about it as it pops up. And then also... Yeah looking after yourself the way you would taking your daily vitamins and going to the doctor, making sure you're doing your self care and making sure you're checking in on yourself mentally as well. Yeah. Um, it, it's so fascinating to me that you say that because it was exactly the same thing for me. Um, it wasn't just one thing. It was multiple things happening at the same time and mm -hmm. it just became too much. And I was probably in a similar situation to yourself, not really taking care of myself. But I, I think for me, the really interesting and vital question, um, and I want to ask you, because obviously you've studied this um, at university, for people who are going through a tough time, and there's going to be loads of them watching this, and just in general, not just a pageant community, but the world, how do you know when to ask for help? Because obviously we all have down days. Mm -hmm. But then as you said, and has been my journey as well, at some point, you just that that downhill kind of slope gets too much, and then you suddenly find yourself at rock bottom. And at that point, it's it's life or death. In mm -hmm. in your opinion, how would you know? Looking back on it, how would you know when to actually ask for help? If you like, is it a few bad days in a row? Because this is a this is a thing for me. I've never really been mm -hmm. able to work it out. When would you ask for help? Okay, so. Firstly, I think everybody at some stage in their life needs to access some form of, like I'm a big advocate for talking therapies um, or mm. art therapy, music therapy, something like that. I think life in general is really heavy at times. Yeah. If you're going through your whole life, you're going to be picking up weight. Um, so you yeah. need to let it off at some stage. If you go by like the World Health Organization, they'll say if you're feeling low for 10 days to 14 days, then you need that's okay. you're technically depressed that's okay um but i would say personally see if you're starting to feel low or it's starting to or even like the likes of anxiety if it's starting to really impact mm. your life and it's coming up more and more frequently if you notice that it's coming up more and more frequently just talk to someone nobody is ever going to turn around and say no professional should ever turn around and say sorry you're not unwell enough or sorry, yeah, you're hope. you're too healthy to be here. Do you know what I mean? It should be a <laughs> you're case too happy, of leave. Yeah, it should be a case of right. Okay, well, what do you want to talk about? Because there might just be something, mm. even though you don't feel like it's a big deal, 
maybe it could just be an hour or two or even just speaking to a friend yeah. and that's enough to kind of set you back up for a little while yeah. um but it is it's hard to identify and that's why i think i'm i'm always saying about keeping an eye on each other if you can't keep an eye on yourself and monitor yourself because it takes practice look after your friend and get your friend to look after you as well because you'll always notice it yeah. in a friend before you notice it in yourself yeah yeah um in in terms of um I was going to ask something, but I, I forgot now. But in turn, oh, that's what I was going to say. God, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. My brain is not quite kicking in yet. Don't in you worry, mine's just going down. <laughs> I haven't had enough coffee, which is something else we should discuss, <laughs> coffee. Um, but to bring it back to mental health for a second, you, you mentioned talking to friends. And I just wanted to ask you, would you advise talking to a friend or seeking professional help, whether it is let's say a free support line or th an actual therapist or psychologist. Mm -hmm. Because when I wrote my book about mental health, one of the things, one of the chapters I wrote about is what to do when a friend approaches you and they say, mm -hmm. I'm depressed or I'm going through a tough time or God forbid they say mm -hmm. I'm suicidal. Because I think a lot of people freak out, right? Mm -hmm. They go, oh my God, if you come to me and you say that, I don't know what to do. Um, and I just wrote that it's really important just to listen and to give the person space to express themselves and just to validate that, you know, whatever you're feeling, it's okay. You have a right to feel that way. Whether you want to stay there or not is another question. Um, just from your, I guess, because again, you've studied this um, at, at university and you've worked in it. Would you advise people on the whole to go and seek professional help in the first place? Or would you advise them to talk to a friend or a parent first? Honestly, I think it's very situational. I think whatever yeah. you can do, do. Some people feel more comfortable initially going to a parent or saying to a friend. Hmm. Some feel more comfortable going to someone that has no idea about them, that they only see and talk to during their allotted appointment. Um, and as I just think the most important thing is as long as you talk to somebody, if you go to a friend or go to a family member, you're completely right. As a friend or as a family member, just listen. Just sit there, be open, mm. let them feel their feelings. But I would always say, see if it's if it's kind of if it's quite serious or it's something that's quite persistent, bring them to help, whether it's a helpline or a charity service or the state service. Mm try and get them that help because I know waiting lists are incredibly long and they are so that's why I would try and advertise a lot of um, like free helplines and free charities that don't have waiting lists or might only have a couple of weeks waiting lists um, I actually have a highlight on my Instagram as well it'll have a little list of them for local ones right um, and I, I was going to actually ask you so for your local area um, for Ireland in terms of I had no idea the waiting lists were that long um, in Australia I guess the waiting list, uh, I had a good friend who helped me write that book and she had to seek help. And the waiting list was two weeks. So she actually booked in for two separate services at the same time when she mm -hmm. initially started her recovery. And that was, she always said that was fortunate for her because the first person she went to was actually pretty horrible. Um, yeah. So she was very glad she, she booked in the second one. But um, in terms of the resources available, mental health wise in Ireland, free and otherwise, what are the what are the ones that the first ones that you would advise going to? Well, I would always say, always try always get an appointment with your doctor. And um, again, waiting list within your actual doctor services can be really long, but I think it's always best to get that appointment anyway, 
get put on the waiting list and then go to the likes of a local charity or use a helpline in the interim. Um, because it could be that maybe there's some more specialized services within the doctor service that you can avail of, but it just might take a bit longer. So while you're waiting there, you could go to the likes of a charity and talk to a counselor or talk to a psychologist for that eight, 10, 12 weeks that you might be waiting. Yeah. Is there something that can be done in order to shorten those waiting lists? Is this a question of raising more funds? Is it a governmental oh. thing? Oh, here we go. <laughs> well, <laughs> No, I think I think it is. There's a there's a lot more funding needed again. I don't know where that comes from or where that's to come from. Um, it is very underfunded. Um, as well, I think there needs to be more money put into recruitment of therapists. Um, because even for me, if try like I keep an eye out to for the likes of applying for trainee positions, and there's only a couple advertised be advertised every year up here. So it is tough to try and get into but it's also because there's the lack of funding to pay the salaries and hence the long waiting list but then I think there just needs to be a new a new protocol nearly and because mm -hmm. sometimes what you'll find is if people are in trouble with their mental health they'll be brought to A&E and an A&E is not a place for someone who's struggling to sit it's really just they're being brought there to keep them safe for that time yeah. and whereas I think if there was a hub a central hub in each county or in every other county and um, mm -hmm. that was a safe unit that if someone is really struggling, they can go for the night or they can go for 48 hours and get the support that they need to keep them safe in that time frame. Yeah. Then that would make a massive difference. That and also early intervention, which is something I'm starting to work a lot more in. And um, we're always very, in the past, we've always been very reactive to it because I suppose we didn't really know much better. Um, but yeah. I think we need to start making sure that we can be proactive and trying to teach mm -hmm. children and young people and even adults now that trying to teach them the tools that they need yeah. to kind of get through life and try and get rid of that stigma. I think if people understand the tools and you start the conversation with these children, then the stigma is going to deplete as they get older anyway, because it will be a normal thing for someone to say, just feeling a bit anxious today. I yeah. think I'm going to go to I'm going to go for a walk or I'll I'll go and visit my my friend, and um, whereas even when I was in school, I don't think I ever would have heard anyone say, "Oh, I'm feeling a bit anxious. I just need to take a step back." Never. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, I think it's as they say that you know an ounce of prevention is better than well prevention is better than cure. So and definitely if we can talk about it, um, and talk about it without that sort of stigma or embarrassment because. I have to think that there's no one who um, has not struggled with their mental health at some point mm -hmm. in their life. I mean, if, if you haven't, then that's great for you. But especially going through this year, I, I got to imagine that everyone has struggled with their mental health to some extent. Nadia, let me just bring you up to date with the comments because I've been ignoring them for a while. Now, okay. um, Di Diana, who just happens to have the same surname as yourself, <laughs> has said, future Miss Island, no question, beautiful and eloquent. I'm imagining Diana, oh. Diana. is this your mum? Uh, that's my aunt. Yeah, that's my aunt. Okay, there you go. Got the family support going on. Uh, Christine has, uh, about the universe and how many there are, she said, state finalists at Illinois, so Chicago. The state has averaged 60 to 120 over the past 10 years. So there you go. Yeah, it's a lot bigger in the United States, Christine. Than, I mean, that boggles my mind, even um, talking from Australia. 
Uh, and Julie has said, I can empathize with you. I love that statement as it relates to my current pageant platform. Thank you for saying that. Guys, if you have any questions about mental health or pageantry or anything, just put them in the comments and I'll pass them on to Nadia. Um, Nadia, final question about mental health, just so we can talk about something that's not more important, but maybe something that's a bit happier because mental health. Yeah, a bit lighter. One of the, cause I, I used to work in mental health and honestly, I needed to step back from it because it's just so heavy and draining and yeah. you hear horrible story after horrible story. Even though you can make a difference, it's just like, oh my God, I need to take a step back. Where do you see yourself working? Where would you like to be working, let's say in a year's time, in five years time, if Corona disappears today, mm. you know, hopefully, where, where do you see yourself working uh, in terms of mental health and your career in general in, in the long term? So I think within the next couple of years, I, I kind of want to focus more on one, developing my, my research skills and my research report skills. Um, but also I want to be back working with, I want to be working with young people, but within the, the early prevention and um, with getting them talking, getting their ideas, finding out what they're thinking. Because there's no point me turning around and saying, oh, well, this is, this is what you're going to go through and this is what's wrong. They need yes. to tell me. They need to tell me what they, what they need help for. Um, and then just trying to build up those links. And then I think longer term, 10 years or so, I would love to be a qualified psychologist working one-to-one -one with clients and being able to actually provide the therapy and feel like I'm playing a part on that end as well. Yeah. How much more study um, or certification is there involved in you becoming an actual qualified psychologist because you've already done three or four years of tertiary study? So for a lot of people, they would yeah. think that should be enough. Is there additional qualification involved in becoming a, a, a proper? Well, <laughs> you'd think so. <laughs> no, there's a, there's a few different ways of going about it. But as of now, I could apply for an assistant psychologist post um, and get experience in assisting a fully qualified psychologist. Um, a lot of the time people will go for their doctorate um, mm -hmm. to try and get that. But at the moment I'm volunteering, well, I'm in the process of starting to volunteer for a text crisis line to try and build up some client oh, hours okay. as well. Um, so that'll build my one-to-one -one hours. So that's what I'm really focusing on now. Right. So it's kind of a matter of getting a, a getting your, your sort of hours like we have with our driving license here in Australia. You need a certain number of hours before your license. So is that how you yeah. become qualified is you need to get the hours? It's, it's, it's a kind of a mixed bag. You need to be able to get into the likes of an assistant post and then go for the likes of a doctorate. Um, it depends on what kind of therapist you want to be. If you wanted to be right. a psychologist, that's what you need to do. But as of now, I could do CBT training and then which is one course for one more year, a few hours, gather up my RSN and then specialize in that. So I think it's what, something that you're constantly going to be doing different courses and learning different methods of therapy. Can I, can I just say from an initial sort of impression, given how long the waiting lists are and given the huge problems with mental health generally and particularly in Ireland and how few positions there are and how difficult it is actually to become, you know, registered, sounds like something needs to change there. Um, if you don't have more psychologists and you don't make it easier for, I'm not saying you, you, you shorten the, the qualification process. Obviously you want people who know what they're doing, but it mm -hmm. sounds like you've got to jump through a million ho hoops to get to the point where you can actually help people. Yeah. For, for psychology, it, to become a psychologist, well, from my experience, it's not a linear path. You right. know what I mean? There's, there's a few different yeah. methods of trying to get there, but it does, it, it takes a while. It's a long road to go down. And again, I just think a lot of it comes back to there's not that much funding in, in the end for the more junior trainee positions. 
Um, whereas if there were if there were a lot more of those, then people obviously would get trained up yeah. and through a lot quicker. Yeah. Yep. Well, stay the course because obviously you're going to be very, yeah. very needed, especially, <laughs> especially this year and whenever this godforsaken pandemic um, deserts us. Anyway, let, let's talk about um, something more uplifting. Let, let's talk about coffee. Just completely okay. <laughs> smoothly transition. Okay. Um, that was a smooth segue. Um, coffee. Uh, yeah. How do you take yours? <laughs> oh, it just oh, it just depends. So typically, I don't take dairy. Okay. So if I want a nice coffee, I'll get maybe a flat white with oat milk in it. It's very good. Or sometimes just Hang black on. if it's a nice coffee. What's it? A flat white without milk, isn't that just a black with, coffee? No, with oat milk. Oh, okay. I thought you Sorry. said without milk. <laughs> there you go. The accent has thrown me off finally. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually saying a flat white without milk. It's like, that's a black coffee, right? Okay. Pretty sure. Uh, yeah, so that or sometimes if it's really nice coffee, I just take it black. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a black. I'm a black person myself. I often, when someone offers me milk in my coffee, I often say, "Don't, don't you dare ruin my coffee with that stuff." <laughs> um, have you? How many of the non-dairy um, alternatives have you tried? Because very often they don't froth quite the same as um, as normal milk. So, have you run the whole gamut of oat, almond, soy? I don't know what you guys have over in Ireland. Yeah, so oat is my number one, and um, more mm. just I think. They, you can get like the barista style, which kind of froths a bit easier. Um, then I would go on to almond, especially depending on what like my macros and stuff are looking like that day. If I'm being good and training and telling my coach. Um, I've tried hazelnut as well, and it's pretty good. But there's, there's a good selection. Yeah, it's a good enough selection. Wow, I'm, I'm impressed. Hazelnut milk, that's not one that I've ever heard of before. Um when you when you do have your coffee, I mean, how do you make your coffee at home, or do you not make coffee at home? Yeah, I do. Um, it's been a bit of a point of contention in my house um, because I really like to make coffee at home, um, and especially whenever all of this happened, I was like, I need to be able to have at some yeah. stage a cup of coffee. I'm working from home now. I need to have a nice cup of coffee at some stage. I yeah. know first world problems. But um, no, I have a cafeteria. I have a coffee machine with like the, the pot coffee machines, mm -hmm. just with a filter. Um, yeah. And then I have like a barista style coffee machine as well. So you have three machines? Well, two machines and then like a little cafeteria. Yeah. What's a cafeteria? I don't know what a cafeteria oh, is. Educate just like me. the little, uh, just like the little like, like a big glass jug and then you push the pump down oh yeah uh percolator we call that a, a there we go I, there I, know, we go. I know what you mean okay all right so, so we're just one of those i don't know how you survived the, the 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 drip coffee the filter coffee though if you've had like proper barista coffee i can't go back to the pot coffee that that's not existed in Australia for 20 years. Like you can't get that anymore. <laughs> Don't you find it a bit of a letdown when you have the pot coffee after you've had like a proper strong barista coffee? I think part of it is the novelty for me um, because I'd never had <laughs> like, it's going to sound really random, like a coffee pot. I'd never had like coffee from a coffee pot until I bought yeah. my coffee machine. Um, and right. I lived in LA with, my aunt 
who commented uh, for a few months and she had a machine and she yeah. showed me how to use this coffee machine where you just put the coffee grounds in and it, it kept this pot of coffee warm and like I loved it. It was the best thing ever because I'd only ever had instant before then. So oh, okay. then I came back and was like, well, I, I need to get me one of these. Okay. I, I am definitely a coffee snob because I was going to say those machines, it's a very American thing. Um, yeah. I've not seen those those pots of coffee anywhere apart from America. But mm -hmm. but but for me, it kind of goes, you know, proper barista coffee obviously is on the top and mm -hmm. that's goals. Then the pot coffee is kind of here. I think the, the percolate press machine is a bit above the, the pot machine. Yeah. And then instant coffee is sad and by itself at the bottom. I only have instant yeah. coffee as a completely last resort because it just doesn't come. Doesn't do it for me. Uh, you mentioned also counting your macros. Yeah, your, your macros and your trainers. So are you doing a lot of training? I mean, not just for pageant, but are you doing a lot of personal training as well? Yeah, so I um, I would do training anyway. I think I would go to the gym yeah. three, four times a week. Um, but again, a lot of it's more for my own kind of well-being and stress yeah. relief and all that. So I had I'd started seeing, training with this coach um, and before I even applied for Miss Universe this year. Um, and now I actually had to message him when I found out that I got through and I was like, so I know we were doing this, but now we need to do this. Uh, can you make that work? <laughs> and he's great. He just kind of flipped everything and he's a nutritionist as well. Um, nice. And like a sports masseuse. So he kind of looks at it in a very holistic oh, wow. way. Um, and he's very passionate about mental health himself. So he just kind of, wow. he doesn't, he's, he's a very, he's a good guy. He runs a good business. Um, and he very kindly has offered to be my sponsor as well for this year. So, oh my God, Nadia, that's like a yeah. one—that's a one-stop shop. I was going to say ah, you should let us know. know who it is so we can give him a shout out, but I think you might want to keep him to yourself. Oh, he—he he is amazing, um, and he takes online clients from all over the world. There we go. So no, he's, he's very good. Um, so he—he's been trying to simplify a lot of things i think the fitness world can be overcomplicated sometimes oh yeah for yeah. For, for a novice so he kind of stripped oh, a lot of anyone. things back yeah, for yeah anyone i mean everyone's everyone wants to sell you something and how they mm -hmm. sell you something is by making it seem complicated and creating problems that don't exist so then you feel like you have to buy something whereas at the yeah. end of the day for a lot of us if you just went out and went for a walk or a run or just started doing something It'd be yeah. better than what 90% of the people in the world are doing. Um, so that that is sorted. Um, what what sort of training are you doing just out of interest in the lead up to, to universe? Uh, is it cardio? Is it weights? Is it a combination? Everyone has their own sort of preference. Slight combination. It's mainly weightlifting um, and then just really getting my steps in. Um, I've kind of upped my steps to try and get that cardio in every day. Um, and also as well, just because of the whole lockdown to get out and get some fresh air at some stage. Yeah. and clear my head so I was out this morning at 6 a.m for a walk before I started work and it makes yeah. such a big difference to your day so then I'll be in the gym tomorrow morning yeah I, I saw that you're up early like myself uh just finally with universe um obviously you made it through to the final 12 and this is your second time do you have any specific goals for yourself in terms of where you'd like to place or are you just happy to make it through and you're just going to enjoy the process for what it is Oh, well, obviously, I'd, I'd love to win it, <laughs> but it's just because I know, I know that I could learn a lot from them, but I also know that I would work a lot for them, and I really think that I could make a big difference, 
Um, and I do think I could, with their help and support, do the title justice um, and follow in those footsteps of the amazing girls that we've had before. Um, so that would obviously be the ultimate goal. But from now, I'm just so happy. Like me and the girls are talking in like group chats and everything, and they're all so lovely. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to just enjoy the process, take it all in and learn as much as I can from Brittany and the whole team and the rest of the girls. Last year, I made it into the top 10. So I'd love mm-hmm. to get top six this year and um, minimum. So that's the aim, but we're just going to see. <laughs> Very nice. Um, just, just before we move uh, to the to the close, I want to ask you, you just reminded me about uh, Matea. I know you know Matea Henderson. <gasps> yes. Over in Canada, you've done the same system as her. Um, can you t- tell us about your friendship with Matea? Because what, what sparked it is I asked Matea, I don't know if you saw this, um, whether she was competitive. And um, she quite enjoyed that question, and she said, mm. "Do you want to? Do you want me to tell the truth, or do you want me to lie?" <laughs> and I think she might be one of the most competitive people I've ever met, and I've met a lot. So, um, tell us about Matea and um, your friendship with her. Well, I'm glad you said that, and not me. Um, Matea she is really competitive. <laughs> she, not me. I <laughs> asked her how competitive she is, and she started laughing. I was like, "Okay, I know what the yeah. answer is going to be." No, Matea is a really is a competitive person, but in the best way and she is competitive but she motivates other people and we met whenever we were kind of we traveled to our finals together internationals together and we kind of just gravitated together from the airport um, in Istanbul and stuck together until we had to leave she also loves coffee and we bonded a lot over that (laughs) we snuck off for many cappuccinos (laughs) (laughs) Um, because you weren't getting much sleep so it was the only thing really we're trying to keep ourselves going but Matea just she is just there's some people I always think they're they're just sunshine their hearts are just golden and she's one of those Mm -hmm. people who she just wants to put good into the world she wants to support everyone she wants to help everyone and she'll do it because she's got the drive and the motivation and the competitiveness to do it (laughs) so oh I love her. She um she actually messaged me the other day and she was like, "Uh, you did not tell me this. We need to have a call." <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, how competitive are you, Nadia? I mean, you've got the red head, so the stereo, the red hair, so the stereotype <laughs> is for your fiery, competitive, and feisty, and stubborn, and all that stuff. So, how competitive <laughs> are you? I I think I'm a happy middle ground. I I never really was a competitive person. Um, I kind of mm-hmm. always just focus more on the journey uh, and then whatever I get, I get. But I do think over the past few years, I have had a lot more drive um, to achieve when I set myself, I actually set myself goals now. So I have a lot more drive to achieve them. And the way yeah. I think of it is I'm just going to make sure that I do everything I can so that if I don't hit that goal, I can't regret not putting my all in. Yeah, that makes sense. The, the, yeah, absolutely. I think the the worst thing in the world it, to feel is regret. Yeah. Um, and you know, you never regret the things that you've tried, only the things that you never tried. Uh, now, now, speak of the devil. I didn't know she was watching, but Matea oh, no. Laura <laughs> so much. Matea, if you're oh. if you're dressed up or whatever, I mean, you look fantastic as it is. But if you want to jump on the call, let me know. I'll message you the link and you can say hi to Nadia in person. Or in fact, if you just want to jump in on the audio, Matea, let me know. I'll send you the link and you can mm-hmm. just say hello to Nadia. Um, we, we we can do a call in show. 
Mateo. Or a reunion? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You don't need to. So you don't need to appear in video, Mateo. But if you want to just say hello or ask Nadia a question um, to put her through her paces, um, yeah. then um, just let me know and I can message you the the StreamYard link. And um, Chloe Davies, hey, I'm so sorry I'm late to the party, guys. Be fashionably Aww. late as always, Chloe. Yep. Always. <laughs> you, you saw the jalapeno, the jalapeno thing, right? With um, oh. I'm a big supporter of you streaming it live so I can watch. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> You're a big supporter of me killing myself by eating. How does she, what, why, why does she, how is she able, I don't know the why, or like, how is she able to eat these things? How do you just eat jalapenos? Like, like I love jalapenos, but I thought she meant maybe she would eat, like, 16 is the record. I thought she'd be like, oh, well, I could get 18. And then I read on her yeah. story earlier, she said, Oh, I used to eat them just out of the jar before yeah. school. I was like, that's next level, Chloe. <laughs> yeah, she she eats jalapenos and sweet corn. Just those oh, yeah. two put in a bowl together with cheese. Now, I remember as a yeah. meal, and I don't know how it doesn't take the roof of her mouth off. Um, if you follow, Anyone that's watching, if you follow her, you'll frequently see bowls of sweet corn and jalapenos on her story. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know if it's healthy, but um, anyway. Uh, <laughs> Mateo has said, oh, my gosh, I'm just running out the door. I wish I could. Okay, uh, Mateo, take care next time. And Chloe is, is laughing. <laughs> Chloe, I, I, I need to prepare myself for this because I'm not – I'm okay with – how are you with spicy food? I love spicy food. I'm not Chloe level, but I love spicy food. <laughs> okay. Um, and I just need to ask this because it keeps coming up. Do you like curry sauce? Curry sauce, yeah. You, okay. <laughs> do you ever, do you ever eat Chinese in Ireland? Yes, quite often. And what? Okay, so what's the number? What are the favorite dishes you would order from a Chinese restaurant in Ireland? Oh, I, I don't order curry. Um, I get like a salted chili chicken, maybe. Um, or honey chili sauce. I like Indian food. I'm a big fan of Indian food. Okay. All right. I'm just... See, see Chloe, that actually sounds like proper Chinese food. Chloe has shown me the menu for I, for the Chinese restaurant in Derry. Oh, no. I'm at it going, that's not <laughs> Chinese. And she keeps going, it's not. My whole life is a lie. Anyway, um, <laughs> and then she said, love you guys so much. Chloe, thank you for tuning in and thank you for yeah, always thank providing you so much. the laughs. Um, okay, Nadia, before we move to the final 10 questions, um, I'd like to give you a chance to, to shout out or say thank you to the people who supported you, not only through pageantry, obviously, but just in life in general. So is there anyone that you want to give a shout out to? Oh, my goodness. I've been so fortunate. There's just so many. <laughs> um, all of my girls, the likes of Chloe and all the girls that I competed with, the girls even I competed with last year, they've all been messaging me and they've been so supportive. And my mom and my family, they have stuck a, stuck it out every pageant I've done. <laughs> they've dealt with all the hair extensions and makeup and mirrors flying everywhere. So they're trippers. <laughs> um. Also, I just want to bring up the fact that during lockdown, you actually were proposed to and you said yes. Yes, yes, I was. So um, without divulging too much of the detail, how did the proposal happen? Can you give us the details? Uh, it was it was actually, bless him, he, he tried to propose, he planned two different proposals 
You plan you pro plan a proposal and then lock. In then case you the said restrictions no happen. to the first one. Oh, oh okay. no no no! <laughs> because she says no, I'm gonna try again. All right, got no, it. no no no. We we couldn't travel, so he had to stop the yeah. first one, and then he planned another one more locally, and then full lockdown came in, and so then he had to rethink again. And um, he didn't have the ring. He had to try and get the ring delivered to the house during lockdown, and there was a few different times that went wrong. Um, but it ended up he we were dropping off care packages to mm -hmm. his family, and we dropped it off, and they'd set out like a fire pit outside so that we could like keep warm and shout over to them while <laughs> we were dropping groceries off. And he, I turned around and he was just on one knee, and he was like, "I know it's not perfect. It's not not what I planned, but the, and I was like." Are you joking? Because he couldn't get the ring out of his pocket, and I thought he was trying to wind me up. And I was like, "This is not a funny joke." <laughs> <laughs> but he eventually showed. I was like, "Okay, you're not joking. It's okay." <laughs> but it That's was just... just what every every guy wants to hear when they've wound up the courage to finally pop that big question, yeah. and they just go, "That's not funny." And like, oh, "That's exactly <laughs> what we, what we need." That's how you know you got to keep it. Someone who will stick by you even when you think their proposal is a joke. So, yep, that, yep, <laughs> yep, yep. That that sounds lovely. Okay, um, well, congratulations, Nadia. Thank you so much. All right, let's go through to the final 10 questions. I have to tell everyone, it is not a speed round. You don't have to answer as quickly as you can, um, but if you want to, by all means, oh, okay. go. So, final 10 questions. Number one, what is your favorite word? Oh. Hippopotamus. Can you say that three times quickly? Hippopotamus, hippopotamus, hippopotamus. What's the plural of hippopotamus? Hippopotamus. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I think I think it's hippopotami. Did you ask that question and not know the answer? <laughs> I don't. Know. I don't know. I was going to say hippopotami, but that did not sound right. So I thought maybe it would be like sheep, where one is. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. We'll find I, out I after. The, yeah, we'll, we'll Google that. Okay, question two. What is your least favorite word? Ooh. Moist. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Don't like that. I don't know. It just, it's, uh... <laughs> <laughs> I believe me, I, I've interviewed over a hundred, like probably over 200 people now. And the number of times that word has come up and there, I've met people who literally can't say it. Like if they say it, oh, really? like, they just, they can't, they literally can't say it <laughs> that much. So. You see the disgust in their face. <laughs> Yeah, it looks like they want to vomit. Anyway, um, question three. In life, what gets you excited or what turns you on? Um, I think something that gets me really excited is having good people and meeting good mm. people. Um, and it's something I think I value a lot more the past maybe five years of my life. I think as you get older, you notice a lot more yeah. and you, you focus more on the quality of people there and hmm. you don't have to have known them forever. Sometimes you've only just met them, but you just know they're good people. So yeah, yeah I get yeah. super excited and I'm very fortunate to have a really good circle of awesome people. Yeah. Quality over quantity, as I say. Exactly. Okay. So that's what turns you on. What turns you off? Rudeness. 
I just don't think there's any need to be rude to anybody. <laughs> so I just, I don't know if I see someone being rude, I would automatically just like, hmm, maybe they should rethink how they said that to that person. Especially yeah. quite often if you're in a restaurant and someone's being rude mm. to the staff or yeah. any, any workplace, it's not good. It's not good at all. Yeah. Question five, what sound or noise do you love? Mm. Oh, like a fire crackling. Mm. If you light a fire, it always reminds me of Christmas. It's the only, well, I guess you being in Ireland, yeah, that makes sense. We don't have fires here in Australia at Christmas. It's way too hot. But I keep saying that <laughs> having a crackling fire is the only thing I like about Christmas, uh, about about winter, not about Christmas, because I'm not generally a winter fan. Are you, you a winter fan, a summer fan, or are you one of those people who's going to tell me spring or autumn? Mm. See, the thing is, we don't, we rarely get like summers that are in, summers. That's <laughs> goodness. You know what I mean? So you don't really have a yeah. choice. You're, <laughs> it's a, it's an all year round thing, and. Um, at the minute, I don't really like this kind of transition where it's getting kind of really crisp and cold. I'd, yeah. I like it to be one or the other, typically, because you know what to dress for then. <laughs> and I'm a cold person anyway. I'm always cold. Yeah, okay. Uh, well, I mean, the weather over there, you don't like the word moist, but that's how I keep describing, like, UK weather anyway. I've, I've had a little bit of Irish weather, but it just seems interminably mm. moist and damp the whole time. So. Sometimes, yeah. But then sometimes yeah. you get those really, like, fresh days. Like, it's, I, it's so nice. I, I haven't had one, so um, no, I, I have to try and find one. It's it's rare for me to go to the UK and just go, oh, my God, the weather is so nice. Anyway, Good luck um, finding one. <laughs> exactly. Uh, question six, what sound or noise do you hate? Oh, uh, like someone chewing, like Chris or something oh. with their, like, really loudly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, d I dislike it. It makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> How uncomfortable? Do you have, don't tell me you have crisps or something there. <laughs> no, no, I don't. I don't. I was just waiting for you to start like eating them. <laughs> no, no I, I finished all my potatoes the other day. Um, otherwise, oh, I no. would have potatoes there, and I could actually eat potatoes for you. <laughs> I've, uh, That's devastating. I've... <laughs> Not enough to like really bother me. It's just kind of. Enough that it pulls my attention sometimes. Okay. So I'm trying to focus on something, so it's kind of like, yeah. <laughs> I, I ask because, like the word moist, the chewing sound is a recurring theme with my interviews. And I interviewed one girl, she's American. When you chew next to her, she starts crying. That's how bad her reaction is, specifically oh, no, the not crunchy that bad. sounds. <laughs> so I just wanted to. <laughs> I no, no, to ask. no, I won't cry. I won't cry. Okay. All right. <laughs> um, question seven. If you could have any one superpower, what would you pick and why? I would, I would like to be invisible. What, like be able to choose when I'm invisible, not be invisible all the time. Mm. I've thought about this quite a lot because I like to travel. I just can't afford to travel as much as I'd like. So I think I could like sneak onto planes. And then, you know, okay. free I, I always worry. I, I always worry about the people who say they want to be invisible because I always think they're the mischievous ones because you want to be able to do things. <laughs> and again, yeah, you want to sneak on a flight. Why, why not just pick the ability to fly or teleport? Why, why be invisible to go on a plane? Wouldn't it be easy just to be able to fly? 
but there'd be more functions to being invisible too. Like, imagine you're going for a job interview. You could sneak in with a person before and see what they're going to ask. Okay. All right. You know? As I said, the, the ones who want to be <laughs> invisible, they're always the mischievous ones that you've got to keep an eye out for. So uh, <laughs> let, let's move on. Question eight. What job or occupation other than your own would you most like to attempt? Mm, I think I would. Oh, well. I would like to try video presenting. I think that would be really fun. But when I was growing up, I wanted to be a mechanic. So I think like, I think it would be fun to give that a go. Hmm. That's different. Obviously, you if mean I like had a, any, any specific idea. mechanic, like car just mechanic? a car mechanic, yeah. just a car mechanic. Yeah. I, I think okay. it's so impressive that they could just look at my car and know what's wrong with it. <laughs> And I'm clueless. Yeah, I, I, I can't do that. I just go, my no. car's making a funny sound or my car's not working. Can you fix it? I have no idea. Yeah. I don't even, I've I never changed my oil. I know how to change, I, ne I know how to put more water into the windscreen wiper stuff and I know how to fill mm -hmm. it up. But um, that sounds bizarre. But I did, I did do have a friend who didn't know how to fill her car up, fill the car up because she'd never filled the car up. Yeah. Oh, no. I, I, that could I, get I you in a lot of trouble joking. if you didn't have help. <laughs> <laughs> you just need to buy a new car every week. Yeah. Um, <laughs> question nine, what job would you definitely not like to attempt? Mm. I don't think I would like. Oh, that's a hard one. It is for some people because they would pretty much give anything a go. Yeah, I would give most things a go. Oh, I don't think I'd want to work in finance. Numbers? You don't like the numbers? The, the, the numbers and like the, I'm, I'm not really, I'm not really built to sit at a screen at a computer all day. You know what I mean? Doing spreadsheets. Yeah. Um, and I've had to do a lot more of that lately with, because normally I would be in and out of primary schools, but I've had to do a lot more of even just spreadsheets and stuff at a computer lately and I'm not really liking it. Um. So yeah. I know. I don't think I'd like to work in finance at all. And then the the big numbers they work with scare me. <laughs> yeah. I gotta say, I always get worried when someone says they really enjoy working with spreadsheets. I, I don't think that's normal. So you're not here. I, I know people. In that one. I know those people. Scary. <laughs> What's wrong with them? <laughs> no, they no, enjoy no. spreadsheets. <laughs> so the, the fact that they, that they um, not everyone, but someone got really excited over a nested diff, which is a, a formula on a spreadsheet. And they started telling me about a friend of mine. So they don't mind me saying, uh, they don't mind me saying, but I was like, sorry, what? <laughs> I just don't understand. I don't think my brain I, I, works that way. I know what Excel is. I don't like it. <laughs> and that's about as far as I want to go. Google Sheets. Um, anyway, uh, Nadia, final question. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Thank you for helping out. It would be nice to hear that. Yeah. Um, and Chloe Louise has said coffee. Uh, it would be good if he offered me coffee too. <laughs> Yeah, Chloe, I could use a coffee right now, so please get on that. Um, she's also <laughs> said sneaking on planes is the most genius idea I've ever heard. Uh, 
I, I still think it'd be easier Actually. to fly, but because coming from Australia, flying anywhere takes like 48 hours. So I would rather just click my fingers and be somewhere else. Um, anyway, I guess if I was invisible, I could sneak all the alcohol and drink it and no one would know. Um, don't do that, by the way. Exactly. No, I, would, I won't do that. I won't no, do that if I'm invisible. No, I, I, I would never do that. <laughs> uh, someone else can do that. Uh, anyway, Nadia, look, thank you so much for your time and best of luck with your universe journey. Thank you so much. And uh, I'll keep you on the line for just a sec whilst I hang up with the audience. But thanks to okay. everyone for watching, whether it's live or on the replay and submitting all your questions. And we will speak to you next time. Hey, it's Adrian again. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Remember to head up to pageantlaunch.com to join the launch team for our pageant review site. All you have to do is enter your email address. It's completely free. And if you enjoyed this episode, make sure to share it with your friends and follow us on all our socials. Thanks and see you next time.